This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, May 16th, and this is the Economy Guy coming to you after another exciting, extremely exciting week. I have five segments for you today. The first one is really the headline for this podcast. It's called Inflation. We're going to talk about inflation and what I believed is happening with inflation. And I'll, I have an, another segment on inflation. I have two things on inflation. Imagine that. Second segment will be the wrap-up of the week. How did the markets do? The third one will be military wars. What's going on in the world in that respect? There's a lot this last week that has gone on. The fourth segment is inflation again. A little more detailed, a little more perspective. And the fifth one is the six precursors to a market crash. And we have some that are uh, flashing right now. So uh, stay tuned for that last one. And I'm going to give you the title for this particular podcast right now. It's called Watch Out for Runaway Inflation. How do you like that? Let's move on to segment one. Segment one is all about inflation. We, and you probably saw it, it's hard to miss the headlines, had a nosebleed Consumer Price Index, the CPI, came in for the month of April at 4.2% year over year. In other words, 4.2% over the April of 2020. Uh, that is a huge number. I can't uh, underestimate, overestimate. I can't overemphasize the importance of this number. It's a big deal. Big deal. Way bigger than anybody guessed it would be. It's big. We've been asking the questions the last few weeks. Are we going to have inflation or not? You know, is it getting big or not? Is it a, that? Well, that, that answer is here. The answer is yes, we have inflation and it's here today. So uh, we can't hide from it. Uh, let's look at the next thing, which is year over year, 4.2%. How about, how what was the increase just from last month? In one month. The consumer price index went up 0.8%, almost a whole percent, eight-tenths of a percent. If it did that every month, you would have a runaway inflation, uh, a truly a, a the beginning of a uh, hyperinflation. So that one month is very scary, very scary. It, it'll have to, we'll see what's coming in the following months. I'll make some predictions there. Um, now... Some people say, uh, like the Federal Reserve, 
that this is only going to be a temporary blip. It's going to go up and it's going to come back down. And there's probably some truth to what they're saying because it's compared to April of 2020, and uh, which was a much lower than normal uh, inflation rate of 0.3%. So if it had been up to in the 1% to 1.5% range, then this year's CPI would have been in the 3 to 3.5% range, which is still huge. So when the Fed makes an excuse for this high number, uh, put it in perspective. I, even if it their excuse is true, this number would be high. High, 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 high. And let's just put a nail in the coffin. Okay, here's the nail for the coffin. How about wage growth? How is, how's that been doing? Not in the last month. Not in the last quarter. How about in the last year? But one of the quarters, as they measure this quarterly, one of the quarters in the last year, the last quarter, that came up, wage growth was 8.5%. 8.5%. That says we have wage inflation and it's here today. So we have CPI, consumer inflation, and it's here today. And we have wage inflation and it's here today. So do we have inflation? No doubt about it. The last time we had a high number like 8.5% in wage inflation was 1981. Those were the halcyon days of Carter and his huge inflationary cycle that he went through. So... You have the big numbers. I hammered them to death. Is there inflation? My personal feeling is yes. I'm going to temper that in the fourth segment when I get there. But right now, I think inflation is here. I think inflation is in our future. So, on to segment number two. And here is segment two. Let's review the markets. What did all this inflation cause in the markets? Did it have any effect at all? Start with the Dow. The Dow ended at 34,384. That's down about 400 points on the week. But during the week, when the CPI was announced, there was, were three days in a row of huge market down days. Huge, meaning four to 600 points a day. The uh, massive, saying that recovered the last two days. So that's why it's only down 400. In reality, taking it in, everything into account here, the Dow just went sideways. That's what happened. So really, no major impact on inflation on stocks. How about the 10-year bond? Well, that went up slightly. It went from uh, 1.577 a week ago to 1.635. So it's back up. Uh, now we're at the critical place. Well, will it go up or down in the next week? If it goes up, then, which I, again, suspect it could do, we'll see. That would, it would be a, a reaction to the inflation. Okay, the U.S. dollar kind of even against the, uh, the euro, but fell against the pound significantly. The pound is getting really strong, pound, and, the, uh, and also fell against the yens a little bit. The pound is getting strong uh, due to increasing interest rates over there in Poundland in the UK. Okay, so uh, so it's a unique one. I, but given that it's kind of the same thing against the euro, I'd say it's went sideways. The dollar went sideways. Oil gained fifty cents to sixty-five dollars and fifty cents, just slightly up. 
nothing to be worried about. Now, if it goes higher, then, then I'll make it a big deal, and I will call it inflationary. Gold uh, ended the week at 1844. That's up $12 from the previous week, which had a massive up that week. And, however, during the week, when the CPI was announced and the stocks were falling massively, gold also had a run to sell it going down. So it had a major downdraft, but it it retraced all of the losses and actually made a gain at the end of the week. So gold showed great strength during the week, in my opinion. So, so be that. Uh, an interesting week in the markets. Let's move on to segment three. And this is segment three. Let's talk about war. Is war a really war? And if bullets are not flying, how's that for a question? Well, let's, I'll, I'll throw in this, in this category because eh, there's a lot to be said that when bullets are flying, it's a war. And if they're not flying, it's something else. It's a cold war. It's a phony war. It's something. How about a cyber war? That's the first one I'll hit. That is the, uh, the colonial pipeline that was closed and has screwed up. The gasoline lines in America, as well as aviation fuel in America, and heating oil, but nobody needs it right now, thank goodness. So, the uh, company, Colonial, they actually paid $5 million in ransom. That's interesting. I'd like to know what's behind that. Uh, I bet you there was a heavy hand of government on their shoulder pushing, because the, lack, the long lines of gasoline is a political problem. Big big political problem. If I were a politician and the people in the White House are very smart people, they would be exerting all kinds of pressure on Colonial to pay the five million, even give them five million. Give them more than five million. Who cares? Pay them to pay them. Yes. Uh, now, the, it, it's, it's not so bad that the hackers hacked it and caused all this problem because they said they were sorry. Did you know that? Yeah, they said they're sorry they did it. They're sorry that they inconvenienced some people. Yes, I bet. The U.S. government, on the other hand, declared a state of emergency. So that allowed them to uh, change some laws and allow trucks to go from Houston and take all that gasoline up to the north and where there's no gasoline. And uh, so that's good for them. Very happy for them. Uh, so what's the cause uh, of all this anyway? Is there big government spending a, a problem here? Is that causing a problem, or is a supply chain a problem? I don't know. What's going on here? I mean, that's... Uh, the current oil pipeline uh, definitely is uh, pushing energy prices up. Okay, that problem is pushing gasoline prices up. I mean, you read the headlines, right? It's massive prices up in Virginia, places like that where they have lack of lack of fuel and national there's no gouging, of course, no, because people are compassionate. I, I'm sure that's the case. So bottom line, the cyber problem which I thought was over when I declared it as a bluebird, potential bluebird was not over. and it turned out that we were much closer to a real bluebird event. Uh, so a combination of lack of oil, which could cripple the United States economy, and the CPI, big inflation, 
uh, I believe those are the things that crushed the uh, stock market, caused the Dow to collapse so much, as well as everything else. Uh, the tech stocks crashed faster and harder than the Dow did, interestingly enough, if you look at the different types of stocks there are. I use, just use the Dow as a, a rule of thumb or things going up or down and going sideways. So we are uh, at war with cyber criminals right now. I uh, hope we find these guys. They're, they're bad guys. How about real war? Let's talk about real Real, real, real wars when bullets are flying. Let's move our focus to Israel. It's been a long time since Israel has been shooting at people, other than, you know, for safety reasons, policing, you might call it. But against a, with a real war, it looks like it's heating up big time. Uh, for some reason, Hamas felt safe that they could shoot a bunch of rockets into Israel, uh, not only southern Israel, but also Jerusalem, which they did successfully because the Israeli... Uh, Iron Dome shield uh, wasn't 100% effective. Things get through it when you're shooting a lot at it at once. One at a time, eh, it's pretty safe. But how about 100 at a time? So Hamas uh, did that. Uh, Israel has, oh, incidentally, rockets have been shot from Lebanon into Israel and from Syria into Israel. That is a very bad sign when it's multiple nations are allowing... Uh, call them bad players, to shoot rockets in, at Israel. Israel will not stand for it, in my opinion. They won't do it at all. So uh, the, the Israelis are pretty smart guys. Let me give you one small example of what the Israelis did. They uh, faked a military invasion of uh, Gaza. That's where Hamas is, of the Gaza Strip. They said, hey, we're coming through, and they made a lot of announcements that they were coming through. And the Hamas, in order to protect themselves, went into a bunch of tunnels that they have so that they could fight from their tunnels and uh, create havoc and kill as many Israelis that invaded Gaza as possible. And then what did the Israelis do? Well, it was a phony war then. They weren't going to invade. What they did is they bombed the tunnels. They bombed them with 400 pinpoint bombs to uh, trap Hamas in the tunnels. And uh, there were a lot of people killed. And a lot of, uh, I might add, a lot of uh, innocent people killed. But that's what happens when a bomb goes off. Uh, can Israel do that accurately and safely? I can, from my own personal experience, I can say yes to that. I have personally spoken to the, uh, this is now years ago, an ex-defense uh, chief of Israel. And uh, guess what we were talking about? We were talking about smart bombs. That's what we were talking about. And the delivery of smart bombs to Israel many, many years ago. Uh, Israel takes their defense more seriously than any other nation. Probably more seriously than the United States, which has got to be right up there in taking it seriously. So, there you have what is happening. Real bullets are flying. Real bombs are falling. People are dying. This is a, uh, a major problem. Major, major problem. Okay, let's move on to another story about the military. And this is the U.S. military. Did you know that there are about 120 flag officers, these are admirals and generals, who have signed a letter to Congress, to the U.S. government, that said, Hey, we see a conflict coming. 
between Marxism and constitutional freedom. That's a direct quote, constitutional freedom. Uh, they, this is a, uh, a major warning in the United States of the military to the authorities. Uh, and I take this one very seriously. I think this is a big deal. This, you don't have threats like this. It's, and it, you have to take this as a threat or a warning, whatever you like. This is real. This is happening. And you never see that in the United States. So what in the world is this all about? Let's move right over to France right now and say, remember when the French also had their military write a letter to President Macron and the Parliament, which was rejected by the French government, of course, because it's has uh, taint, is tainted by politics somewhat. A second letter has been sent by the same group, signed by the same group, making the same warning to the President and Parliament, and again it was rejected by the French government. And the political side of that is uh, Marine Le Pen has heartily endorsed these people and saying that uh, their cause is right and uh, she will fix it for them. And a, a recent, a very recent poll in France has shown that the military and police are behind and support Marine Le Pen by 60% to 40% for other people. So that's a massive uh, uh, support for Marine. That's not the general public, of course. And, uh, and you have to take into consideration there what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do here. But that's going on in France, very similar to the United States. I wonder if the U.S. got its push from France from their first letter. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's the same thing. And lastly, let's talk about Taiwan. I've always said Taiwan is the flashpoint that the... Uh, real enemy of the United States is mainland China. And uh, uh, I, the head of U.S. forces, that's Army, Navy, Air Force, in the Far East, has publicly, openly stated that he thinks that China will invade Taiwan sometime in the next six years. That's now. Six years is now. And what's stopping them from doing it? Uh, not much. Are they encouraged now? Do they feel that uh, the U.S. is weak? Did uh, Hamas think that the U.S. is weak and caused the, the thing? I think this is the most dangerous spot in the world, is Taiwan. How would they do it? I mean, I find this the interesting part. Just talk about military strategy. How would mainland China invade Taiwan? Well, this is the way I would do it if I were them. I would uh, awaken my sleeper cells. There have to be a huge number of mainland Chinese living in Taiwan. You bet. Just like they were in uh, Hong Kong. So a huge number. You awaken them and you have them meet up with uh, the invasion of secretly uh, inserted special forces, Chinese special forces, and those people together go and they uh, secure the airfields around Taiwan. Then mainland China flies in massive troops and lands at those airfields. And at the same time, their Navy goes on the, uh, not between China and Taiwan, but on the other side of Taiwan in order to discourage any help coming from the United States. That seems like it would be the game plan to me if I were China. 
And if I can think of the game plan, I'm sure the U.S. military can think of the game plan and would have a plan to counter the game plan. Also, there's a lot of, uh, uh, what I say, weaknesses in that particular plan I mentioned, but it's there's a lot of strengths in it, too. So, uh, I'm saying all that to you because can China invade Taiwan? Yes. Do they want to? Yes. Will they? We don't know. But the head of the U.S. armed forces in the area says they will. So take that from an authority. Don't take it from me. Now, that's it for segment three. Let's move on to the next one. And on to the fourth segment. Back to inflation. Let's talk about inflation. You know, inflation matters. But why does inflation matter? Well, inflation means that you're going to have higher interest rates. And inflation means you're going to have lower bond valuations. And inflation means that the Fed's policy is all wrong right now. Totally wrong. But most important reason here is to get it right, whether you have inflation or not, is for your own wealth's reasons. You want to maintain and grow your wealth, you better know whether inflation's coming or not. Because we're at a crossroads of inflation versus deflation. Inflation has just heated up and is absolutely real in the U.S. today. But deflation could happen. And who controls it? Who controls whether we go down an inflationary path or a deflationary path? In my opinion, there's only one organization that has the power to control that, and that's the Federal Reserve. Their decisions will determine whether we have a, an inflationary future or a deflationary future. If politicians were to choose which to go, they would always choose inflationary, because deflationary is bad for politicians. Inflationary, they can kind of talk their way through and say, oh, it's inflation, not me. It's that employer raising his wages and, and that's that store raising its prices. It's not me. Uh, but deflation means a bad economy and, and politicians always get hammered for a bad economy. So politicians would choose inflationary. And because the Federal Reserve is has been politicized somewhat. I suspect they'll fall into that camp. I certainly believe, of the two options, inflation, deflation, that given a conscious decision to be made, the Federal Reserve will choose inflation. Right now, they're kind of supporting a deflationary point. They're all of their keep interest rates low and, you know, and monetize all the debt and all that. That's deflationary approach to life. So we're at this crossroads. So why is it so important? It's because, you know, it, regarding your wealth, if you're in an inflationary, I've always said, if you're in an inflationary period, you want to own things. If if you're in a deflationary period, you want to have money. You want to own money, just cash. So it's either have cash, okay, and cash, when it's inflationary, loses its value. That's why you don't want cash in an inflationary. You want to own things which will inflate. 
in inflationary. In deflationary, you want cash because the prices of things are falling. Housing prices would fall, for example. And if you have cash, you can make good purchases at cheaper prices in the future. So you hold your cash. That's the simple approach to this. But in all sectors, that's, that's indeed the way it is. So, you know, uh, if you just look at the world and you say, what's happening in our world today? We have rising energy prices. We have rising food prices. We have rising metal prices. We have rising uh, exchange rates with China. We have rising mortgage rates. We have record low housing inventory, which pushes prices up. We have surging shipping costs for ships that go across the nation, uh, across the seas. And uh, we have lumber prices are at record high. Uh, we have uh, record low inventories in automobiles. We have a shortage in semi-conductors. Uh, we have a significant supply chain disruption. And to make it all easy, we have unprecedented easy money and unprecedented, unprecedented levels of government spending. All of those things push you toward the inflation thing. Isn't that interesting? So I'm leaving inflation now uh, as a subject. I want you to know I'm falling down on the side of inflation. I think it's coming. Uh, but I could be wrong. And it could be deflation. So I leave it up to you to decide. And with that, on to the next segment. And on to the fifth segment, the six precursors to a market crash. The first one is the 10-year Treasury bond. We look at the interest rate of the 10-year, and it's moved up to 1.635, which is not so high as to get me nervous yet, but it's uh, pushing to the upside right now. So what we're looking at here is if there is a, uh, a major breakout, a major high, this gets up to 2.5%, say, then the Fed will reserve, reverse course, and that will cause the market to crash. So we're looking at a precursor of the 10-year interest rate of the Treasury bonds. The second one is high-yield bonds. When high-yield bonds start to fall, we will see uh, it happens a few days before the market crashes. And so we have a valuation for these uh, high-yield bonds. And this last number was 9.01. The week before was 9.06. We've never had a fall that much in the past. It fell significantly. It fell because of that inflation number that came out and the, and the stock started to crash down. Well, people got nervous in the uh, junk bond market too. And that caused this number to come down. But it's not so low, I would say, hey, if it gets down to 8.5, I would say it's really crashing. But we're still above 9, 9.01, right? So, and it's never been in, uh, well, it has been as low as 8.98 since I've been watching it. But it's, you know, it's right there. Ah, yes. So on to the third precursor. Third precursor is the U.S. dollar. We, What we're looking for here is a falling U.S. dollar, which would cause inflation in the future. And uh, what happened here is basically the dollar went sideways. So there is no falling U.S. dollar. Therefore, this, this one is not flashing anything. It's just neutral. Not a problem. The fourth precursor is the Consumer Price Index. And that's what this podcast is all about. The CPI for April came in at 4.2%. The previous month was 2.6. I was getting nervous at 2.6. It said, 
If it gets up there above three, three and a half, we're going to be in trouble. And April came in at 4.2. We're in trouble. This is red, solid red to me. Uh, we need to see another month or two, which I expect more high numbers in those to come up. Uh, I wouldn't be not surprised at all to see May and June come in at above 4% each. So uh, big numbers, big numbers. Are they temporary and going to retreat back down? They may, they may dip a little in the future, but they're too high right now. And if it stays at 4%, it stays above 3.5%, the Fed is going to have to do something to react to it, to inflation. And the Fed only has one tool. That's called raise interest rates. And when they do that, the market will crash. And the current estimates is to get to mean value, fair value, for stocks, stocks will have to decrease in value by 66%. Two-thirds of their value will have to disappear. If that doesn't scare you, nothing should. That's the current estimate. Just want to give it out there for what it's worth. That's the downside if this comes true. So red, we have a red now that's going on. Inflation is red. Okay, uh, the fourth, the fifth one is any change in the Fed policy, and there has not been any change in the Fed policy. If, the cha if they change policy, it will cause the market to crash as their only change they can make is increase interest rates. Uh, that's the main change they can make. Okay, and any bluebird, remember the, there was a, I set up close bluebird last time, but it was fixed. Well, I was wrong. It wasn't fixed. It carried on. It was a much bigger bluebird than I thought, uh, and it probably had an influence on the market. So that bluebird of the oil pipeline shutdown was a big deal, and we're going to be recovering for that for another two weeks, according to the press. So be it. That's it for this week, folks. It's great talking to you. Uh, stay tuned because inflation is here. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.